Welcome to Multifamily Real Estate Investing, presented by Mara Poling. My name is Pat Poling. I'm the founder and CEO of Mara Poling, and I am happy to be with you this week to do something that we do from time to time here, and that is answer six questions. Six questions that have come up recently from you all. We love you listeners. And I really enjoy the emails that I get and the conversations that we get to have. So I picked six topics and we're going to do a quick run through of each and share with you the answers that I shared with the listeners that asked each of those. As always, if you have any questions, you can shoot me an email, pat at marapoling.com, M-A-R-A-P-O-L-I-N-G.com. Please do not hesitate to swing by the website, check out the Learning Center, lots of great content there. You can look at our offerings page, you'll see some updates on the Owen there as well, and good content on the Multifamily Real Estate channel where there's been some recent recordings that have been added. So with that, let's get to it. Okay, we get questions a lot. I get emails. I'll get uh, people submit a question through the contact us form uh, on the website. I get people that sign up for a phone call and their phone call will be about a specific question or a group of questions, something like that. So we love that. If you've got a question and it's one of the ones I addressed today, fantastic. If you've got a question that I don't talk about today or you'd like to hear more about anything that I do discuss today, you can shoot me an email as well, pat at marapolling.com, and I'll be happy to answer your question for you. And we can always hop on the phone for a quick chat. So with that, let's go through and talk about these six items. And these are in no order other than I just jotted them down thinking back about questions that came in over the last month or so. So first item, cap rates. What's going on with cap rates? Have they moved? in parallel with interest rates? So the answer is no, they haven't. They've moved in the same direction as interest rates, but they haven't moved as much as interest rates. A little bit of background, cap rates are the unlevered rate of return on an investment. Invest $10 million, so you buy a property for 10 million, you pay cash, so it's unlevered. Buy a property for 10 million that generates half a million dollars, in net operating income, and that is a 5% cap. It's a five cap. Another way to look at that is go buy a property that generates $500,000 a year in NOI. And if in general, the market is around a five cap, then it's worth about $10 million. That's roughly how cap rates work. Now, I like looking at cap rates inverted, meaning looking at them as multiples on the value of a dollar of NOI. So $1 of NOI in the example I just gave is worth $20. So $500,000 of NOI is worth 10 million. And if I add a dollar of NOI, I've added $20 in value to the property. So that's another way that you can look at. Why haven't they moved as much? Well, they're not connected. Certainly when interest rates go up, there are fewer buyers in the marketplace. If there's fewer buyers, that's less demand. Less demand is going to pull prices down. So the 
value of a dollar of NOI is going to come down, meaning the cap rate's going to go up. But they're they're not connected in so, with some specific mechanism that does that. So we've seen interest rates grow by significant amounts, 50 basis points, 100 basis points, 200 basis points, more, depending upon the rate that you're talking about. And yet cap rates have moved 50 basis points, maybe 100 basis points, depends on what market uh, that you're in. So they have not moved as much. Why? Well, people really like multifamily. The cap rate or the value of a dollar of NOI is a function of how much demand there is for deals and how many deals are out there. So people really like it. We have remained buyers for quality assets that underwrite through this entire cycle of interest rate movement. And we're not the only ones. So that pressure keeps cap rates from rising as much as they might otherwise. The other is supply. Uh, people that were selling when rates started moving, a number of them said, yeah, I don't want to sell right now. And they didn't have to. We're getting a little deeper in the cycle now, and we're seeing more sales activity. There are more deals coming to market. The more deals that come to market with a stable number of buyers means that we'll see cap rates uh, move because prices will come down and cap rates will move up. So I expect that and we expect that we will continue to see movement in cap rates, that it will uh, be a, a favorable movement as a buyer, an unfavorable movement as a seller. Um, but cap rates and interest rates do not move in lockstep. And that spread between them is important because if you get to the point where you're paying as much for a dollar of debt as you are for the overall asset or even more, you basically end up upside down. And while you should always underwrite every asset uh, for an acquisition, there are some rules of thumb you can look at. And that's a pretty good one that's going to make that a Pretty challenging property to make sense. Okay, next question. Interest rates would make sense. What's going on with interest rates? Well, interest rates are up, not telling anything uh, new to you all. Although the pace is slowing and we're beginning to see some conversations amongst some longer term forecasters talking about rates not just leveling off, but actually decreasing again. Now, I personally think the days of free money, the extraordinarily ultra-historically low interest rates that we've just come out of, I think those are past. I, I certainly would not, I'm not building any business models uh, or investment theories based on those being interest rates that we'll see again. But I do think over time, we'll see some movement in, in rates and uh, some moderation. Having said that, rates today and for multifamily and the markets we're active in Texas for the quality of assets and the kind of debt we're doing, agency debt, we're in the sixes. That is not a terrible number. It sounds so high when you consider we were in the threes just a couple years ago. A six is not a bad number. And if you look historically at where rates have been, 6 to 8% has been a very normal place for the industry to operate. 
Now, obviously, you can't operate at 6% with cap rates at 4%. So that goes back to the cap rate conversation. So the deals do have to underwrite, which means the prices have to be appropriate given the cost of money. And that is going to have some impact on, on cap rates. But interest rates are not at a place where they have killed the real estate industry. So uh, that's where we are today. My crystal ball is absolutely every bit as good as yours. So uh, take everything I say about the future of interest rates with a gigantic grain of salt. Uh, and whatever research you've done is potentially just as valuable as, as what I know. Next question, asset values. What's going on with asset values? Are they pulling back? When are we going to see growth again in asset values? Great question. Now, you might think that this is the cap rate question just phrased differently. Well, it's not. And the reason it's not is asset values are affected by two factors. One of them is the value of a dollar of NOI. So if a dollar of NOI is worth $20, which is a five cap, and then the market softens, and now it's only worth 19 or 18 or $17, which is getting close to being a six cap, then obviously asset values are going to go down for the same amount of NOI. And we're all in the business as real estate investors of growing NOI. To the extent that we grow NOI, we may grow it at a rate sufficient to keep pace with changes in the marketplace, meaning the changes in the value of a dollar of NOI. We may not, meaning that we will see asset values recede some. We may grow NOI more rapidly than that movement in the value of a dollar of NOI and actually see growth in asset values, even in markets where cap rates have moved up. Now, we also believe that cap rates are cyclical and that there'll be a point in time where cap rates will move in a more favorable way, meaning lower. We also don't overly concern ourselves as long-term investors with near-term asset values. Obviously, we care about asset values. We don't ignore them. I'm not losing sleep overnight about what asset values might be moving around in moderate terms. And the reason for that is this, is there's really only two times to pay attention to an asset value. One is when I'm getting ready to sell. And if I'm selling by virtue of a sale exchange at 1031, I'm actually not unhappy with cap rates that are higher and the value of a dollar of NOI being lower. And that's because while I will get less for the asset I'm selling, I'll also pay less for the asset I'm buying. And because I'm buying a larger asset, I should make a little bit of money doing that. So uh, in an uh, odd way, uh, we actually get some benefit out of that kind of movement in the marketplace. The other time I care, and it's really the only time I care, is when I'm exiting. I'm not going to do a 1031. I'm selling and I'm dissolving that. It might be an individual syndication and we're simply closing it. It might be the end of a fund. 
Uh, it could be a private investment for a family that has simply decided we'd like to cash out and take our money and go do something else. And in those instances, we want to sell for the most money we possibly can. And that's where we'd really start looking at more timing. Otherwise, we're, we're believers that timing the market uh, is not a valuable exercise for the energy that goes in. What makes more sense is buying good assets that perform well over the long term and then taking advantage of what real estate does over the long term in terms of growth and the tax benefits of things like 1031s to help optimize returns. All right, next up, skips. What's a skip? I had uh, a whole bunch of questions that came in because I mentioned skips uh, a couple of times, I think, on some episodes in the last couple of months. And somebody said, what's a skip? All right, a skip is a tenant that has a valid lease that's in place today and they just leave. <laughs> uh, they might sneak away in the middle of the night or on a weekend. They might come in and say, yeah, I'm not staying anymore, I'm leaving. So we might know about it. Uh, we might find out about it because the unit is vacated. I often call skips self-evictions. Typically, these are individuals that are in a financial position where they're not able to continue to comply with the commitments they made under the lease. And rather than get evicted, they, they simply move out. They might be in the eviction process, right? They might have uh, received a, a notice to pay rent or quit. They might have received uh, the papers about an upcoming uh, court date. Um, they might the court date may have occurred, and they may have been uh, uh, given the uh, result that in fact they are going to be evicted, and the uh, uh, authorities simply haven't shown up yet to carry out that eviction, and they've decided to take off. A challenge with skips is you don't see them coming. Uh, the eviction skips. Okay, you probably see those because somebody's in the eviction process. We already know that unit is going to be vacant fairly soon. But someone that simply gets behind and then gets caught up and then they get behind again and get caught up, someone that looks like they're having those kinds of challenges, or the tenant that actually is paid in full all the time and then just vanishes and we don't really know why, those are the ones that are surprises. And the challenge with that is, we don't have that planned in our pipeline in terms of lease up activity. So suddenly we get a spike in vacancy and now we've got some extra units we need to work on. It's also a spike in terms of turn activity, meaning those are extra units we have to get in and uh, clean out uh, depending upon what kind of condition they left them in. Uh, some skips leave a lot of contents and we have to go through and, and remove all of those. Um, the skips that are associated with um, evictions don't really change the eviction process. Those folks still have a delinquency and we still go through the, the proper process to uh, recover all that we uh, can from that standpoint. Um, but that's what a skip is, okay? Uh, next, concessions. Why are concessions counted as part of economic vacancy? So if you've heard us talk about vacancy uh, in any of our sessions, vacancy is comprised of three factors. Economic vacancy includes physical vacancy, so actually empty units. 
it includes bad debt. So occupied units that are not paying their rent and that we've written that rent off and concessions, which are discounts that we give on rent as incentives to incent someone to renew their lease or for a new tenant to sign a lease. The logic behind them being part of vacancy is it essentially is a vacant unit. If I give someone a month free, even though they're physically in the unit, it's like a vacant unit for that month. It's not generating any revenue for us. So it makes sense that it would be part of economic vacancy. And there's an argument that it shouldn't be because it's really around the pricing of rent. So for example, if I were to raise the rent by $100 on a unit, and then I offered a concession that was equivalent to that $100, and maybe they got it all in the first month. Uh, so, you know, they saved $1,200. That'd be a pretty high rent. Maybe they save it over two months. Um, I've increased the amount of rental income that I'm getting, but I've now increased this vacancy component when what I'm really doing is playing around with how I'm structuring the rent. And by the way, some concessions aren't rent concessions, they're fee concessions. So it's still a concession, but those aren't included in vacancy. So you just have lower fee income. So concessions are kind of wishy-washy, regardless of how you track them, where you include them in vacancy or you look at them as rental discounts, you got to keep your eye on them. Um, if we've got a property that we're using a lot of concessions at, we want to see if that's having a uh, negative impact on our uh, operations long-term. Uh, are we, for example, incenting uh, tenants who actually can't afford to live at the property to move in. And then they ultimately have a challenge down the road. And maybe we've got some, uh, some responsibility for that. Or are we actually uh, filling the units up really, really quickly and able to get the concession behind us, which if we're using concessions, that's really what you want to do. So you got to keep an eye on uh, concessions. And there's a bunch of different ways to look at them. All right, last one. Deal flow, meaning how many properties are available for sale right now. So this kind of ties back into cap rates and asset values and those things. Um, when interest rates began to move up, there were fewer sellers in the marketplace. Today, there are more sellers, in part because I think the sale selling community has come to the realization that rates aren't going back down anytime soon. So waiting six more months isn't going to really change what goes on. And there are also sellers that have debt structured in such a way that they actually need to sell because it's time to uh, refinance that debt, whether it's a five-year debt or 10-year debt that they've had and it's coming due. Uh, or it was floating rate debt, and and they've they've gotten to a place where they simply need to refinance that. So there is more deal flow coming. We think that's going to increase. That's all the indications that we receive from the folks that help us with our pipeline. And as we have more sellers in the marketplace, 
there'll be some buyers that will come back. But we also think this will help with some moderating of, of prices. And so the cap rate conversation we had at the very beginning and asset uh, values and prices, um, I think we'll see some moderating uh, as we get into this uh, to this next year. So there you go. Six different questions that we received from you all. If you've got a question that I didn't answer, please shoot me an email, pat at marapolling.com, and I would be happy to answer that question for you. If you have interest in participating in any of the offerings that we have available, we have three wonderful funds right now, Total Return Fund 2, Growth Fund 1, and Growth Fund 2, as well as the opportunity to participate in the Owen through a syndication. If you're interested in any of those, shoot me an email, pat at marapolling.com, and I'll be happy to get you the materials on all of that so that you can take a look. With that, thank you and have a great rest of your week. Join me next week on our next episode of Multifamily Real Estate Investing presented by Mara Poling. <music>